Thank you for tuning in to the Everyday Christian Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we show that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. Here is your host, Chase Green. Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 5 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. And today we're going to continue our study of the book of James by going into James chapter 3, Part 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12 today in James chapter 3. But before we do that, I'd like to highlight one of our Scattered Abroad Network podcasts. And today we're going to highlight the Way podcast with Houston Welch. This is a podcast that releases every Thursday at the Scattered Abroad Network at scatteredabroad.org. And this is a podcast about the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father but by Jesus Christ, who is that way, John 14, verse 6. Houston covers various topics about the church and about theology, and I hope that you'll tune into his podcast and you'll benefit greatly from doing so. Well, today, as I said, we're going to continue looking at the book of James, and we're going to discuss a very important topic here in James chapter 3, and that is the dangers of sin with the tongue. Can you think of various sins of the tongue? I can certainly think of several. For instance, gossip is a sin of the tongue that can get you into a whole lot of trouble, can it? and uh, certainly uh, can cause much harm and division. Also, backbiting, uh, wrathfulness. What about that? Uh, Have you ever said anything in an angry moment and were guilty of being wrathful with somebody? Well, that's a sin, and uh, the Bible actually includes wrath in the works of the flesh. So we've got to watch out for that. That is certainly a sin of the tongue that can get us into trouble. Also think about lying, of course. We know what that is, being deceitful. Uh, What about foul language? You know, Christians are not to use foul language. We're not to have any filthy language proceeding out of our mouth, the Bible tells us. So we've, again, got to be careful with how we use our tongues. And when it comes down to it, you think about it, probably some of the most common sins that are committed are sins that involve the tongue. Well. It shouldn't surprise us, then, that James has a lot to say about the tongue in such a practical book uh, as is the book of James. So let's go ahead and get into our study of James chapter 3, and verses 1 and 2, we're going to notice a warning to teachers. Verse number 1 of James chapter 3 says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Now, I believe I shared this with you in one of my episodes uh, last season, if you remember. I want to say it was the episode with uh, Drew Suttles in my series on the love of preaching. I mentioned and and commented to Drew that I asked him if, if he remembered that when we first got to preaching school, we had our little welcome packet that was given to us, and in that packet, uh, we had James chapter 3, verse 1, which again says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive, receive a stricter judgment. And I asked Drew in that episode, I said, Do you remember that? And he said, Oh, yeah. And the point that we were making was those instructors 
asked us, number one, if we understood what that meant. And were we fully committing ourselves to what that verse was saying? Basically, uh, if we are teaching the Word of God, if, if we are teachers of the Word of God, then we must understand that we're going to receive the stricter judgment, and, and we have the responsibility to teach it accurately and to teach it faithfully and, and to give reverence to God's Word. It is a tremendous responsibility to wield the power of the gospel, Romans 1, verse 16. I'm reminded of just an anecdotal example in a movie, uh, Spider-Man Uncle, Spider-Man's Uncle. What did he say? He said, with great power comes great responsibility. Well, that's certainly true in many walks of life, and it is especially true when it comes to yielding the power of the gospel. Why is it that teachers of God's word will receive a stricter judgment? Well, we're influencing other men's souls to be either lost or saved, depending on whether or not we teach the truth. The Bible has a sharp rebuke for false teachers and false prophets who pervert God's word. I'll give one such example in 2 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3, where Peter says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. Peter echoes uh, the fact that James says here, they will receive strict judgment. So we've got to be spot on when we're teaching the word. Well, verse number two of James chapter three says, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Everybody stumbles, uh, including stumbling in the word, which leads into the sins of the tongue that we're going to talk about for the rest of this podcast. Just know, though, that it is possible to stumble in word by incorrectly interpreting the word and then incorrectly preaching the word. What does that result in? It results in the destruction of souls by those who hear those falsehoods and accept those falsehoods, and it ends up being a, a damnable heresy. And so we've got to be careful in how we preach the word. Well, James gets into verses 3 through 8, the untamable tongue. He, he just said toward the end of verse 2, able also to bridle the whole body. Well, now he's going to specifically talk about bridling the tongue verses 3 through 8, and he says that the tongue is untamable. Verse number 3, Indeed we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. This has been standard operating procedure for horsemanship since ancient times. The bit is a metal piece that you place in the horse's mouth between its front and back teeth and is connected to the horse's head by a headstall and that is connected to the reins. It helps you to steer the horse, and it also allows you to ma maintain complete control, uh, mostly, <laughs> of the horse. Uh, I remember a time when I got uh, bucked off of a horse, actually. <laughs> but in theory, at least, a, a bit in a horse's mouth, it really helps you maintain control of that horse. 
Uh, a bit is a must for virtually all horses. I say virtually. There are a few exceptionally well-trained horses that uh, you can ride without a bit in their mouth. You can just put a, a halter and a lead rope on the horse and just ride them just fine. I remember I had some horses one time, and a couple of them I would ride with a, a halter and a lead rope around their neck and uh, would even ride them bareback. And they were really exceptionally good horses, and they did just fine. Uh, but you don't want to do that with just your average horse. You want to be very careful. You want to go ahead and put that bit in their mouth. Well, James talks about all of this, and he uses that illustration to say, look, if you want to have better control or really full control of a horse, you've got to put that bit in his mouth. What's interesting about the horse bit in comparison to the horse itself is that a bit in the mouth of a horse is very tiny. And with that tiny little piece of metal, you can control a very, very large animal, uh, about 800 to 2,000 pound animal, depending on the breed. So that is simply amazing that such a small little thing can control that horse. Well, verse number four, James gives another example, this time of a ship. He says, look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. So the same could be said about a, a massive ship that is controlled by one tiny little, at least by comparison, a, a tiny little rudder at the back of the ship. The average size of a ship in ancient days was about 45 to 60 feet long, and was large enough to carry about 75 tons of cargo. Well, that's a lot of volume being controlled by a tiny, by comparison, little rudder at the back of the ship. And even in the fierce winds, maybe a hurricane, uh, that rudder can control the direction of that massive ship. Well, James uses these two examples, the example of a horse with his bit and a massive ship with its rudder, and he says in verse 5, even so, or similarly, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. The tongue sure is small, but it can do very, very big things. In the positive, the tongue can do great things to build other people up. Uh, we can encourage people with our tongues. We can edify one another, and, and that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to edify one another in love. Paul said this in First Thessalonians 5, verse 11, Therefore comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Well, we do that with our tongue. But James is going to shift his attention primarily to the negative uses of the tongue. He says a, a, a small fire can quickly kindle an entire forest, uh, a wildfire. Well, what do wildfires do? Well, they cause great damage and, and they lose control. So James says it's very easy for us to lose control of our tongues. Verse number six, James says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. 
Again, a list of sins that we can commit with our tongues, gossip, backbiting, wrathfulness, lying, foul language. These things can cause great harm to others and also to the reputation of the church. The tongue defiles the whole body. It sets on fire the course of nature and is so set on fire by hell. How often is it the case that Satan loves to use the tongues of men to accomplish his task? Well, we need to be aware of that, and we need to be extremely careful. Verse number 7, James says this, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. All sorts of animals have been able to be tamed by men. You look up a list of animals that have been domesticated at various times in history. Some of those will surprise you, and I won't spoil the surprise. Look that up. What kind of animals have been tamed by man? It is a very, very long list, and and it's quite amazing uh, what God has allowed man to do as it pertains to the animal kingdom. Well, James acknowledges that point there in verse number 7. And then he says in verse number 8, But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Look at us. We can uh, tame all these mighty animals. And I'll just give you one example. You think about the domestic dog. Where did domestic dogs come from? Well, they had to be domesticated from wild dogs from uh, wolves even, and and men somehow were able to trap these wolves and feed them and gain their trust and, and eventually domesticated them and, and bred them, and now they're pets. Isn't that amazing? And yet we can't even tame our own tongue. We can tame the wolves, so to speak. We can tame horses. We can tame all these wild animals, but we can't even tame our own tongues. Think about this. How many times has your tongue gotten you in trouble? Failure to think before we speak. Maybe we told a lie. Maybe we had a bad attitude with mama or daddy. Or maybe we said a cuss word. Maybe we got caught up in a ring of gossip. Of all these things, perhaps gossip is most like this fire that James mentions here. And that it does what? Well, it spreads, doesn't it? So-and-so says this, and then so-and-so says this, but adds a little bit of that to it, and then it spreads on down the line, and before you know it, it gets around to the whole town, or the whole school, or the whole church. And when it works its way around, the truth has been so convoluted that you don't know what to believe. It's like the game Telephone. Uh, I remember playing that as a teenager. You line up and... 10 or 15 kids and in a line, and you uh, pass a message, starting with the first kid and going all the way through the line, and you whisper that message. And it has to be a fairly long message. And then the kids forget, because of their limited memory, exactly what the long message was. And it changes just a little bit here, and it changes just a little bit there. And it keeps changing on down the line until you get to the end of the line, And that kid says out loud what the message was, and it's not even close to what the original message was at the other end of the line. Well, that's a very good illustration 
of gossip. We need to be extremely careful because gossip spreads, and when gossip spreads, uh, rumors of of falsehoods, uh, false information, very quickly spreads. And so we just need to be very careful of that. And even if it's truthful information, uh, we need to realize we could still be guilty of backbiting. Uh, is information that we're sharing really needed, or are we just enjoying sharing that information because we like to uh, to scoff at uh, what's going on uh, in the lives of others. We need to be very careful not to be guilty uh, of those sins of the tongue. All right, so James says that this improper use of the tongue can spread like a wildfire. He says that it can't be tamed. He says it's full of unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Well, finally, verses 9 through 12 I want to notice an oxymoron of sorts regarding the tongue. I say oxymoron because an oxymoron is two things that seem to contradict one another. How many of our tongues are a spiritual oxymoron? On the one hand, we bless God in song and in prayer and in the way we talk about God to others and in private conversations, and, oh, yes, I'm a Christian. But then, on the other hand, we curse men, the creation of God. Well, James is going to talk about that here. Basically, that's a spiritual oxymoron. Two things that seem to contradict one another. In fact, if we're acting that way, we are. We're contradicting what a faithful Christian life is supposed to be about. Verse number nine, James says this. He says, with it, that is with the tongue, we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Men have been made after God's own image, and make no mistake about it, God takes it personally when we curse men in this, in this fashion. Verse number 10 James says, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Then he says, my brethren, these things ought not to be so. It is spiritually unacceptable for us to bless God on the one hand and in the same breath curse men, the creation of God, through gossip or wrathfulness or foul language or backbiting or what have you. Again, we must control our tongues. Well, finally, verses 11 through 12, James asks some questions. He says, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Well, the answer to that obviously is no. Verse 12, can a fig tree my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine, bear figs? Again, the obvious answer is no. Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Just as these things are impossibilities, so it is impossible for us to be right with God if we are on the one hand blessing God, giving lip service to Him, and on the other hand, cursing his creation, our fellow man. 
I hope that you have enjoyed the first part of James chapter 3. And Lord willing, next week we will continue with the second part of James chapter 3 on the Everyday Christian Podcast. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms, and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ, even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.